I feel the need. For what? Uh, an enema? No. It's a line from Top Gun. You ruin everything. Sorry, I thought you'd maybe been eating Play-Doh again. That does sound good. Especially the apple flavor. It comes in apple flavor? And here we go. Two guys lose the plot. Top Gun is on the cards today. You and me went to go see this, finally arrived. Um, and I want your thoughts. Well, you get them, and you'll get them in, in, in abundance, my friend. With gusto. The end is inevitable, Maverick. You're kind of set it for extinction. Maybe so, sir. But not today. I, I was a bit disappointed because I thought this was a submarine movie. You you kind of sold it to me as like an, a naval espionage starring Harrison Ford. Anyway, Top Gun, one of your uh, all-time favorite 80s movies. So been given a bit of a spit and polish. So this one picks up 30 years um, later. And the Navy's top aviator, Pete Maverick Mitchell, is where he belongs. He's just pushing the envelope as a test pilot. Where all his contemporaries have gone on to become admirals and stuff, he still finds himself as a as a kind of like a test pilot uh, and pissing off all the wrong people. So then he encounters Lieutenant Bradley Bradshaw, call sign Rooster, which is the son of his late friend, uh, uh, Goose. And um, he ends up being recruited to teach this uh, group of young hotshot pilots, um, teach them on a, on a mission to, to, to blow up a, a target for the U.S. military or for the Navy in this case. So, you know, it's kind of like, uh, Maverick, but 30 years later. I was surprised to see Tom Cruise. I, I didn't think he was in this one. He was top billing for the, this Sorry. movie. Yeah, it's, okay. his, it's his thing. Oh, dear. Yes, obviously, Tom Cruise and Tom Cruise and Tom Cruise again. Oh. Uh, also in there was uh, Jennifer Connelly. I haven't seen her in anything for a while. She's in my dreams a lot. She is in your dreams, especially the wet ones. Along with John Hamm, can do no wrong. And then Miles Teller plays the the young rooster. Um, for those that don't know Miles Teller, what is that drumming movie? What is it called? Tap, stomp, grab, rant. Uh, <laughs> and then something I actually saw today, funny enough, and, and it occurred to me in the movies, but I didn't say anything to you when I saw the name come up. But the guy that played Bob, remember the guy in the back of the, the plane with, the, with the, the lady pilot? Yes. That actor's name is Lewis Pullman. Pullman and guess whose son he is? Bruce. Bill. Oh, Bill, my favorite from Independence Day. He doesn't look like his dad at all. I saw a side by side of them today, and it is something there when you when you're looking for it. I was actually very surprised. The guy that directed this, uh, Joseph Kaczynski, he did Oblivion, right? Who else do you think could have helmed this? I like the way it was shot, but I'm just saying, from a director's point of view, I'm surprised Tom Cruise didn't do it himself. But I think he must have had a. a I'm pretty sure he had a lot of creative input on this. It was flawless. Tom, what are you playing? Well, I play the airplane, the air that the airplane flies through, as well as the pilot and the director and the producer. And I'm everyone, including myself, in this thing. And I did the catering. (laughs) I'm pretty sure he did do the catering. (laughs) If you had to give it just off the top of your head, a a yay or a nay, and then elaborate. I give it a yay. I really like this movie. But for some reason, while everyone else is, you know, gushing about this, and it is good, the in-camera shots are all good. It's amazing. The, the, the flight choreography, the, the, the fighter jet scenes, all that stuff is great. But for me, it just, even with the beginning, the opening title sequence, it just, it, it was good, but it just felt like it was chasing something that you couldn't put back. 
you know, like the original had that warm glow about it, you know, that especially, you know, when the afterburners came on and things, it, it had kind of like an 80 sheen on it. This felt very, you know, this was well done and well put together and everything, but it just felt a bit, felt a bit clinical to me, you know, but before I get to the bad parts, let me get to the good parts. It was great. I thought that the best part about this film to me was the restraint in that he ceded the territory to his new young pilots. He wasn't chasing it too much. There was just enough callback to the original. There was great action. It, it felt like it was a mature way to get back into Top Gun without being overly dependent on the first movie too much. You could see this movie without having seen the first one and you would still be really impressed. And I really liked that story was to me a little bit. I didn't like the fact that the enemy quote unquote wasn't another country. I know why they did that because they couldn't obviously make it a specific country because then it wouldn't play in, in other countries. It had to be kind of inanimate. So that I understood, but I felt a bit cheated with that. And it was uh, your, your standard, uh, bad guys with nuclear weapons. Yeah. Like uh, just undisclosed. I think it was somewhere in the Middle East because uh, obviously that was who they would be looking at and that's fine and everything. And uh, really, the, I got a, like a more of a, a Soviet feel with all that snow and stand corrected, but I think it does snow in some parts of the Middle East. Like I'm not sure, but I think it, look, I got 40% for geography. I didn't think it was the a Soviet thing just because it just didn't make sense to me that it would be. I think they, they, they did that in the first one. I also, I thought they were going to go in a different direction. And I told you this right after the movies because uh, Ed Harris is in the beginning of the movie, he plays one of the generals that, uh, or the admirals at least, we're talking Navy here, that chews Tom Cruise out and calls him a relic and tells him how he's going to be totally uh, oblivious and, and unnecessary within the uh, future of aviation because planes are going to fly themselves. Right. And I thought that that was going to set the scene for them to fight autonomous airplanes, but obviously that never happened. Well, maybe you should have been on the writing staff. Maybe I should have. I, I knew I shouldn't have screened those calls. It might as well have been drones because there was no pilot interaction. With the first movie, you remember, it was the Soviets and all of them had that red star on them and they were seen as this dark, menacing enemy. Their visors were always blacked out, whereas the American pilots, their visors were clear. You got into the idea that this was an, an unknown threat and these guys were just doing the good of Western civilization and, and that kind of thing. Whereas with this one, it was like an undisclosed enemy. It could have been anyone and it was nondescript. What I did like was uh, Jennifer Connelly. I thought she was very cool. I thought he was cool. I thought the uh, I thought the F-18s were cool. It was a great movie, but it wasn't, wasn't Top Gun 1986, you know? It was there, but it was a, a few steps forward. Is it me that's out of touch? Would you ever describe me as out of touch, my friend? Well, I don't think you've touched anything in a long, long time. <laughs> Besides for that. <laughs> I mean, oh, would yes. You, would, you you mean, say, yeah. would you say that I, I, I'm, I'm unwilling to, to see the genius that this is? I think it's a good film. I think it was a good film. I, I just, the problem with movies like this is you're always going to use the first one as a barometer. And I can't divorce myself from that. And that's why you've been divorced three times you always going to compare to the first one. And that's the danger with sequels is what I liked about this one is it didn't fall into that whole trap of sequels need to be outlandishly bigger and better than before. It's not like this was suddenly Top Gun down under or Top Gun in outer space, you know, where they, they go to a ridiculous extreme to prove that this is a, is, is a superior film. They, they kind of kept it within the same levels some people can argue that it was pretty much beat for beat the same as the first one. It had the same notes. It had the same tragedies. It had the same 
uh, crescendo at the end. It, 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 it was kind of note for note the same, but it worked in today's climate. I give it a seven. I'm giving it a nine because I enjoyed it thoroughly. I just want to tell you the name of that movie, Whiplash. And back to the show. I, I gave it a nine out of ten. And, and out of that nine, four goes to Tom Cruise. And I'll, I'll have to eat my words on this one. Damn, the man looked fantastic in this. Ugh, always looks good. I was expecting him to look a little bit plastic and bloated. Granted, I've been looking at the covers of too many uh, trash magazines, but he looked really, really good. And damn, that sp- that smile lit up the screen. I mean, Maverick was back. I- I've got to give it to him. He-, he-, he carried that form. Every movie he's in, there's a charisma there that very few people can emulate. Maybe Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't know if you can call him the main character in this, because he-, he kind of was, but he also wasn't. And like you said, there was that restraint where you knew he had a different role to play in this one. And I'm not going to mm. give anything away at the end. He, 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 you know, they used him to the maximum in this. Sequel, yes, no, I'm not sure. And where they're going to go with that and if he's going to be involved, be very interesting. Look, I, I, was, I was impressed. I just purely on a enjoyment level. I mean, it was a, it was a thrill, a minute. It was like the Fast and the Furious before they ruined it now. But in the air, the way these guys were jostling the, 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 the joysticks and the way that the planes were doing these ridiculous things, whether that's aeronautically possible or not, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not that smart, but damn, it was good to watch. It was just like hot shots in the air, which uh, weirdly enough, saying hot shots, I'm seeing that a lot of people are wanting to make hot shots part three. Oh no, with Charlie Sheen. Yes. They, 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 they're petitioning, bring back Charlie for. But what would be the French for three? You, your, your profession in the, the language of love. No, that's two. Oh, sorry. What's toi, three? Toi. Sounds like you're chewing your tongue. Two little gripes. Again, the, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, that uh, I was led to believe that scene with Ed Harris in the beginning was leading somewhere else. They could have actually just left that out altogether. It wouldn't have mattered. They could have just shipped him off without that whole confrontation. And second, I think they did bad by. Kelly McGillis. They could have done something. They could have hinted to a, a photo, a gravestone somewhere, but just to pretend that she wasn't part of the movie. I mean, they even had flashbacks with Meg Ryan for crying out loud. I hear what you say. Would you have brought back Meg Ryan as well? Do you think that was a step too far? That, that would have made more sense to me than Kelly McGillis. Yeah, look, I mean, it depends on, on what role they wanted her to play within the, the, the son's life. But I mean, I think the flashbacks uh, did it justice and it just kind of set set the tone for you know how he grew up but just to kind of ignore the fact that you know kelly mcgillis was in the first one where i mean they acknowledged everyone else talked about goose they talked about his wife the kid even val kilmer was in it damn it Iceman. you know it's like she never existed at least kind of hint to the fact that ah, it didn't work out or she couldn't take his uh his gung-ho attitude so she left him or maybe she died i don't know but just you know, I think you could, they could have at least acknowledged her. She was a big part of that uh, that legacy. She was. I read somewhere that she said she didn't expect to be brought back. But, I mean, I just figured if you were going to do it again, you know, you might as well, you know, we're getting the old gang back together. Didn't you say you wanted to start a petition for Tom Skerritt to be in it again as well? Yes, I did. I, I was actually, I'd mailed them the puppet strings to to put him <laughs> in the office next to John Hamm for that, for that scene. 
and- <laughs> the one thing about the, the original Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> and Michael Ironside. <laughs> yes, let, let's let's dig them both up and just prop them up on a, on a stiff couch. Wait a second, is, is, um, Tom Skerritt's not dead, is he? Yes, I'm sure he's dead. No, let me check that out. No, don't tell no, me I'm that. Pretty, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's dead. I, I only made that joke because because I, I thought he was still around. He's yes, alive, you see, no, man. You sure? Yes. It's, it's, so yeah, and, he's 88. <laughs> good lord. Okay, and they still need the strings. Yeah, it doesn't change. You were saying uh, about the puppets. The one thing I I found funny about the first Top Gun movie, uh, as opposed to um, this one, is I don't know if you remember the first one. Everyone was so sweaty. Yeah, all the time glistening. Is there no air conditioning on the aircraft carriers? Yeah, it was like everyone was like in a in a Vietnamese hot box. What what kind of show are you running? This nuclear powered aircraft carrier doesn't have air conditioning. These guys are just not even that. Who's that guy who plays? Uh, the principal in Back to the Future is that bald guy. Yes, that, that bald guy. He was he, when he was we was uh, tearing a new one off for Maverick and Goose. I mean, he was just He's he was dri- just dripping. dripping. <laughs> <laughs> Every, sir, I'm worried about you. There's a puddle in your likeness. It's forming underneath the dash. <laughs> <laughs> How are you still conscious? You must be totally dehydrated. So that's your thing, and you're giving it a nine. I I just again I just I think it's what we need right now. And maybe I'm I'm being a bit nostalgic. Maybe I'm being a little bit more uh, optimistic. But it, this is the t- I'm glad they didn't release this one on streaming. They they stuck to their guns. See what I did there? They hung on to it and they refined it and they made it near perfect. Near that, perfect. I agree with you. For me, the complaint is not about the film itself. Maybe I was just too nostalgic. But but you can't recapture that. I get it. I do get it. This was a technical marvel. Everything was just super and. There's just something about the way Tom Cruise does movies where everything is just the right note for the right amount of time and it just works. It, Maybe you should get him to be in the next Predator movie. Maybe that'll be good then. That's actually not a bad idea. Could you get your assistant on that one? Mabel! Back to Two Guys Lose the Plot. There was something about the 80s movies that were just a lot more raw and unfiltered and just good. And it made me think that I can't think of movies today, with very few exceptions from movies in the 90s, nothing in the 2000s or or like the movies that we've been seeing that would make me think that we've got the same kind of adrenaline and stunts and simple stories with an antagonist and a protagonist and alternate timelines and this person and the twist at the end. There's no more Robocop, Cobras, Beverly Hills Cop, Predators, Batmans. I'm going to throw in Delta Force there because I like that movie. Indiana Jones, Lethal Weapons. Do you, do you, do you, is it just me or am I looking at this through rose-tinted glasses? No, it was just something about it because there was, there was no CGI. It was all practical effects. Uh, they had to make something out of nothing. You know, They had to find a way to ramp the car or to push the guy off the building. There was just no way of faking it. It was just something about it that, like you said, it was just real and raw and it was just practical that they, they just found nifty and clever ways to do things i mean like even with the original predator before they um <laughs> they put that tall guy in the suit i mean there was a monkey on stilts and then it was jean claude van damme and, a, and another thing so those were the same know, person they, they, oh sorry i thought they looked familiar but um there's just something just innovative about 
trying to find a solution that doesn't require a computer. And that's that just kind of made for interesting filmmaking back then. I agree. I, I think if you look at the practical effects in Indiana Jones, you know, like you know, Harrison yeah. Ford was under the truck. You know, there wasn't the, I, I might say, look, there's some great stuff that they've been able to do with, with technology and things like that. And the eighties wasn't able to do that. But I think what they lacked in CGI, they made up for with innovation or with clever storytelling or with not showing something. You know, you look at Steven Spielberg, even though that was the seventies, what was the greatest contribution that shark made was not being shown. You know, exactly. it was more, to, more towards the imagination. It just took your breath away seeing seemingly, even though look at camera angles and all that stuff, but it's, it's stuff that was happening in real time. There wasn't a, a digital glass breaking. Like if you take, for example, Die Hard, he jumped out, someone jumped out of that window with the damn uh, hose pipe around his waist. I, uh, I have to tell you something. <laughs> what? I haven't seen Die Hard. I have not seen what? the first Die Hard. No. I've not seen no. it. To this day, so, I have not seen it. Or E.T., but I'm just mentioning Die Hard now. But, hey, so you didn't see Vacation in the last podcast, and you haven't seen Die Hard. It was probably one of the quintessential 80s. This is the one that put Bruce Willis on the map. This is, this is, just, this is now a, a new low. I saw the one Die Hard with you. Which one was that? With Justin Long. That doesn't count. Those, were, those again, were remakes. This, that's like saying you watched this Top Gun and not the original one. No. You, you, this was, if anything, not necessarily for Bruce Willis. But please, you have to watch this for Alan Rickman. He is so good as Hans Gruber. I mean, this was like the 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 villain of all eighties villains. I'll I'll check it out. Die Hard. It's Die Hard, or how, how does one say it? That 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 is that is the original Dutch. Yes, Die Hard, um, <laughs> which it was originally a Dutch film with Bruce Willis, but uh, <laughs> it was they, they had completed seventy five percent of the filming before switching it to English, and no one noticed. I see. Uh, look, I will I will check it out. I, I just, I don't know why. It's one of those things that just slipped away from me. I, I, I just never got to see it. Um, it, it's, it's like me telling you I haven't seen Jurassic Park. You go too far, sir. In the gonads. It's like a free shot. It's like being in the batting cage without a ball box. I've actually done that before. No, I'm kidding. Which part do you think is a lie? Me actually playing sports or not wearing a ball box? So this weekend, you, me, and your boys are going to the park. Tell me about this. Now, as I understand it, this is uh, a movie about um, genetically engineered trolls that are brought back to life using advanced cloning techniques. Is that, that right? It's very, very close, but um, you just got to make them a little larger and a little more lizard-like. Which one is this? Is this like the sixth or seventh in the entire franchise? I'm not the sure. The sixth. Sixth. Okay. So this is now the Chris Pratt reign of Jurassic Park. Now, this one takes place four years after when they went to that Isla Nublar place and it blew up and all the dinosaurs died and they took um, the T-Rex and all those, those other dinosaurs on the ship. And um, at, no spoilers, but, you know, if you haven't seen it, you're, you're bad luck. All the, it ended with the dinosaurs escaping that uh, guy's compound uh, when they were trying to auction them off. So now they live and hunt alongside the humans all over the world and you know, it's now a fragile balance that kind of has to reshape the future and determine once and for all whether human beings are actually worthy of, of being the top of the food chain or now, you know, a dinosaur is going to be the new apex predators. And um, we see some old and some new faces. Really? Tell me about the old ones first. Well, um, you at first when the credits, or at least when you saw the, the, 
the pictures you thought it was a couple of uh, leather couches, but um, it's Sam Neill making a return uh, along with along with Laura Dern and everyone's favorite, the Jeff Goldblum. Jeez, that guy's talented. I like everything he's in. Can do no wrong. The only thing that's upsetting me about this is it's in 3D, I, and I was I was getting so happy with the fact that movies weren't pushing that anymore. But obviously they've got to make their money back, so it's in 3D. It's, it was in 3D everywhere, so gonna have to wait if you're not a 3d fan to see it like either streaming or wait until it comes off 3d but that's what we're going to be looking at it in so it's me you your two boys and i think i'm going to get some popcorn for this one and then maybe some uh astros put the astros in the popcorn with a grape slush what are your thoughts on that it's it's you're like a cinematic gordon ramsay i you have me at a loss for words i mean why not everyone does that i don't understand do you think uh sam jackson's going to be in this one I think so. I think he's going to be dressed up like his character from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think so? Maybe that'll make more sense because he did die yeah. in the first one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, uh, to be honest, I'm, I don't see how a, a creative writer can't work around that. I'm imagining um, uh, someone looking at a, at a bit of amber into the sunlight and there's a mini Sam Jackson inside, like a little <laughs> fetus. Growing, maybe giving someone the bird, saying the f word. <laughs> I'm, 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 re, I'm respawning, motherfucker. <laughs> Two guys lose the plot is written by Lee Herman and Stephen Lewis. Get more episodes on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. This was a Tall Tales production.